Hey, what's up, family? Welcome to the live Q&A of yours. Truly hope y'all are doing well on this Monday. Hope you guys and gals are getting a, a great start to your week, and I hope you guys are excelling at a at a good pace. Uh, but for those who's watching for the very first time, my name is Joshua Ezzy, also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this video, like, man, I like that guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be a coach here online. But for those who's been rocking me for a mighty long time, whether you've been a subscriber for 14 years, been a listener for 12 years, or if you've been a subscriber listening for 12 minutes, 13 minutes, whatever it is, I want to say thank you all so much uh, for trusting what God has entrusted to me. And I pray that it continues to be treasured um, to you. But for those who's joining me, I'm going to let you guys know that I am one-on-one coaching this whole year. Um, if, as far as the foreseeable future, I'll be doing one-on-one coaching, couple coaching, group coaching. Uh, if you have issues with your relationships or you want to learn more about how to grow spiritually, if you want to maximize your singleness, if you want to better understand your purpose or discover it, or you need help with branding, marketing needs with ministry, organizations, or business, make sure you check out the links in the description box below or simply go to my website, IamUnplugged.com for more resources and tools in regards to coaching. Also, check out my uh, latest book, The Holiness Journal. Are you whole enough to hold the important things of life? This book has over 120 reflective questions, um, as well as 52 uh, journal entries, as well as 25 articles to help you really process if you're ready to hold the important things of life. I also got a card game. The first one who spell whole wins is a fun interactive card game uh, for you all to be able to really process whether or not you're ready to hold, like I said before, the important things of life. As I, as I see comments are coming in, check out my other book, The Purpose of Singleness. Uh, if you want to learn how to maximize singles, good book there. Book on dating prep, learn how to date God, date yourself and become dateable so they love your life forever. And other books like books on uh, soul ties and strongholds, discernment, um, children's book, as well as spiritual warfare. All those books, card games are available on my website, IamUnplugged.com. Now that I see people coming in, let's get right into it. All right. God's girl, what's going on? Hope you're well. Jessica J. Hey, coach, how are you? I'm well. Oh, Lord. I'm talking to the people, but y'all can't see me. <laughs> I'm doing well, Jessica. Hope you're well. Lilo27 says, hi, co uh, hey, coach. Have been seeking God's will for my life, and I just feel lost at times. Going back and forth on job ideas, careers, etc. I just have a fear of not fulfilling his plans for my life on earth. Well, you have to understand um, that you can't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think when it comes to the will of God for your life. God is too big for you to mess up his big plans, right? And when you understand it and it puts you in a place of peace and a place of poise, because you know that you're not qualified or able to uh, mess up God's plans right now. In the meantime, my friend, the best thing is if you want to know the will of God, open up the word of God. If you want to know the will of God, open up the word of God, because the more you execute the will of God day to day on what it means to be a woman of God, what it means to be a man of God, what it means to be working to the Lord and putting those things in practice, the rest will take care of itself. The issue could be that you're feeling lost because you may be the boss and it may be time for you to toss that title off of you and put it back on God and just simply go with the flow of God, really examining your understanding of God's timing, really taking the time to really process uh, um, the beauty of today. Right. Sometimes uh, we focus so much either on our past or our possibility or our potential that we forget to be a present. The more you are present and you are a present and a gift to someone, you'll begin to see yourself fulfilling the will of God every day. It is my responsibility to fulfill the role of a 
husband every day. It is my responsibility to fulfill a role as a co-worker every day. There are certain things that we have to practice fulfilling in day to day. That's the day to day titles that we wear versus focusing on the great capital P purpose or capital W will of God. So hi, coach, I've been seeking God's will for my life and I just feel lost at times. It could just be that you're focusing so much on the journey than you are on the steps. You could be focused so much on the manifestation of it or the 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 re, uh, uh, a revelation of it that you're not able to see what's revealed now. And, and God is clearly showing you the things that he wants you to do in the meantime. And it is evident in the word of God. He said you're going back and forth on job ideas, careers. I just have a fear of not fulfilling his plans for my life. Well, you have to ask yourself, what's the root of my fear? The Bible says the perfect love of God casts out all fear. Somewhere in your life, you have yet to embrace the love of God. Do you believe that you're going to fail God? You can't You can't fail God. Uh, people say, uh, is it possible to mess up God's plans? You can't mess up God's plans when your mess has already been a part of his plans because you can't spell message without mess. And so somewhere in your life, you're, you you don't fully understand uh, the love of God. And there's a fear there because in that area, maybe your dad was a certain type of way or other people in your life, a certain type of way that makes you believe that God is that way. So you have to ask the Holy Spirit, what area in your life lacks the embracing of the love of God so that fear can be let go of you and that you can fully see what God wants you to do day to day. Jojo Davis says, what's up, Coach Josh? This is Jojo from Fort Worth. What's up, family? How do I strengthen my patience in God? Great question. Well, you have to understand that patience without its full effect, you won't be whole, complete, lacking nothing. The Bible says, count it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. And when patience have had its full effect, you will be whole, complete, lacking nothing. In order for me to get to a place of patience, I have to first count it all joy. Gratitude is where everything positive grows. The attitude of gratitude is where things begin to find their blossom, right? They begin to find their growth. They begin to find their fruit, right? Gratitude. When I can count it all joy, then I can see that this various trial is endeavoring to make me versatile. And I know that my faith must be tested because a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that can't be trusted. And until my faith is tested and proven itself to be able to withstand any type of storm or whatever it is that's tailored to me in regards to the purpose of my life, then I will begin to allow patience to have its full effect because my mind is focused on the whole, complete, lacking in nothing individual that God wants to shape me into. So you strengthen your patience by when you find yourself impatient, press into patience. When you find yourself frustrated in a certain area, that will send out an alarm letting you know you're not as patient as you thought you was. And in that moment of your patient being pressed on, um, press into being patient, shift your perspective into thinking there's a reason why this is here. Every time I'm in uh, traffic, I don't even get mad about traffic. I don't get mad about long lines in grocery stores. I don't get mad when people stop me in the hallway because it could be keeping me away from something. It could be protecting me from something. It could be God interjecting his and in, himself into my day to ensure that I fulfill what he wanted me to do. So anytime I find myself in any position where most people will collapse under the, the pressures uh, that's coming against their patients, 
I, my perspective, which has already been pre-programmed, and the Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of my mind, says my mind has already been reprogrammed to see things differently, see things optimistically, see things as if God is intervening, then, then it, it gives me the opportunity to allow my patience to grow. Because no matter what platform or position you want to be in life, you have to have a certain amount of patience. So get the right perspective from the pages of the word of God, right, in regards to whatever area that you lack patience in. Then get a, a clear picture of the person you need to be. Also, do some research on the thing that you want, the things that you want to have, the uh, the woman you would like to have, and the purpose that you would like to fulfill. And then really answer honestly what kind of patience is required for something like that. And the bigger the call, the bigger the testing of your patience. That's why counting all joy when you go through various trials, because you know that the versatility of, of you will determine what type of the vision that you will produce by the help of the Holy Ghost. Hope to help. Great questions. B. Ramirez says, what's up, coach? My daughter, Lisette, a.k.a. Panda, gave her life to Christ today. Amen. Can you send her a shout out, please? My heart is full. Hey. Lisette, I hope I said your name right. Hey, man, you, you're on an amazing journey right now. You, uh, you have the greatest uh, opportunity right now. Christ has pursued you. His spirit has pursued you. And now the Holy Spirit wants to indwell you and lead and guide you into all truth. So I'm excited for you. I'm shouting uh, uh, with heaven right now, rejoicing at your salvation. And so we're glad to have you in the family. Taylor May Enterprise says, it's game time, coach. It is. It sure is. Hey, Coach, is it okay to cut family off for your peace? Yeah. Anytime in anytime someone wants to tear to pieces your peace, peace out to those individuals. Jesus, when his mother and brother came up to him and was aggravated by his presence in, in that city or town, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, your mother and brother are upset with you and they want to talk to you. Jesus said, who's my mother? Who's my brother? My mother, my brother, those in the family of God, these are my mothers. These are my brothers, right? Anytime something wants to affect or tear your peace into pieces, it's okay to peace out on an individual. Now, when it comes to family, it's, it's, it's going to be a little more difficult to completely cut them off. I have the difference between cutting someone off and lengthening the rope. Lengthening the rope means I'm not close enough that if you fall over and you try to tug on me, then I can easily be moved. But if I lengthen the rope long enough, if the Lord sees fit that you need me, I'm still connected. See, the thing is, some people we can't help but be connected to because you can't just cut them off. Now, you can cut them off and you can have a cutoff point. But I won't cut them off. Right. There's cutoff points, like meaning that you can no longer go no further than this. If a father's not being a father, then he has no right trying to instruct. If a mother is smothering and she's not being a mother, right? See, a father's supposed to help you go further. A mother is not meant to smother, right? And so when you understand that, then you will begin to see who is, who are my fathers, who are my mothers. And then you'll know that this is the this is as far as this woman or man, this is as far as they can go. And that's okay. So right now, I want you to write down the people that you want to cut off or have cut off points with. I write down beside their names the points where you feel tense or you feel your peace is being threatened. Wherever that point is, go a step before that and say, this is as far as they go. If that means, hey, I don't visit them as much, that's the, that's the consequences of you not appreciating my presence. That is the consequence of you not appreciating my presence. If you can't appreciate my presence, you must learn from my absence. And absence is a great lesson. Absence is self-care. 
why be present to be uh, to be in problematic situations when I can be present where there's peace? Hope to help. CC also says, like, block and move on and pray for them and stay away from your peace because they like to argue and their self-righteousness would stress me. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with blocking them. Nothing wrong with uh, muting them. I think there's another option. Instead of blocking them to cause unnecessary arguments coming away, why you block me and stuff, mute them. Just mute them. Uh, I think Instagram and Facebook give you the opportunity to mute them where you can't, you don't, you, you, will ne- you won't see their posts. You won't see their whatever, right? And if they comment with you, this is what I will do. I will have a conversation with them and say, hey, you know, as of now, man, uh, you guys are affecting my peace. And, and sometimes you don't even got you don't have to explain your absence. Become absent first. And then when they ask about your absence, then articulate why you're absent. And if they don't make the adjustments necessary for them to be able to associate or assimilate back with you, then it is what it is, my friend. It is what it is. Jessica J says, been speaking to God lately and I don't hear anything. What should I do? I want to make sure I'm doing his will and inviting him into my life, but it's kind of solid. Um, God speaks in a myriad of different ways. Um, God shows more than he tells. Oftentimes we're waiting to hear, but our eyes are closed to the obvious. Um, um, God doesn't necessarily always speak because his words are that powerful. And sometimes the people's are, our hearts and souls are not ready to be able to uh, sustain that level of speaking, right? That's just my observation of why I don't think God just be speaking all the time, right? He's very specific with his words. I was telling my ninth grade students, we talked about how Jesus said to one of the disciples, come and see. And one of our discussions was, why didn't Jesus just tell them where they was going? Why was he specific with his words? Then we began to talk about the text that says, we will be judged by every idle word that we speak. So God doesn't speak idly, but he knows that some people are visual learners, some people are audibly audible learners, and some people are hands-on learners, right? And so God, if you're a hands-on learner, probably will tailor his speaking to you through hands-on experiences. If you're more of a visual learner, then God will begin to utilize your visual learning abilities to be able to see him speaking to you. If you're an audible individual, he may utilize people, prophets, the pages of God's word, et cetera, et cetera, to speak to you. But we cannot complain about a quiet God if our Bibles are closed. God doesn't necessarily have to speak over and over again, because why would God give us his rhema word if we have yet to read his written word? If we don't honor his written word, we won't honor his spoken word. So we're waiting on God to speak, but our pages and our Bibles collecting dust. So if our Bibles collecting dust and our souls are at rust, you know, our souls are rusted, right? And so what I would do is start getting into his word and then engage there. And then you'll begin to sense the pull of God is speaking you in that different way. And also if you are a certain different type of learner, then see how God may speak in a way that's tailored to your ability to learn. So he's quiet sometimes because it's testing time. He's quiet because he's already spoken. There's nothing else to add to the conversation because he already spoke. But when it comes to day-to-day relationship with God, he speaks in leading. He speaks in guiding. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks within your gut. He speaks through, through observation. The more you become aware of God's presence and you acknowledge him in all your ways, you will begin to see him speak in varied um, other ways. Hope that PTL says, hey, coach, I sent a text. Um, let me know if you think that's a simple a simple answer or if I should schedule. Oh, got you, brother. Okay, I'll check. And if you haven't heard back from me in 24 hours, bro, hit me up. I thought that was your text. Yeah. Kayla Chapman says, how do I stop being scared? My husband will cheat on me. He has a great call in his life, but I know men in church struggle with this. Well, you can't generalize this gentleman. 
It's never wise to generalize a gentleman. Just in every field of life, there's somebody who's doing or mismanaging that position, right? So you have to ask yourself, the, the, the issue may have been that when you first got with your husband, maybe you and God wasn't as strong as you needed, right? Because anytime you go into something with fear, then you might as well put a spear through it. You might as well poke through it. You might you will end up being a thorn to that man's flesh, that man's side, because you have that fear on the inside. Anytime you have fear, there's torment, and that torment becomes transferable, and that torment starts tormenting him. And this man is innocent, and now he's and now he's walking on eggshells because you view him of the possibility of what he is capable of doing. So you have to remove the generalization of men of God, right? Because not all preachers, all ministers cheat on on cheat on their wives right and so the way you stop being scared is to ask yourself where the root of this fear stems from if the root of your fear stems from your dad cheating on your wife or you saw it happen to countless amount of women then then that is what it is because if you measure if you generalize everything based upon the data that has been dominant around you that's unfair to the seven billion other people right or the other individuals who are innocent right so you stop being scared of your husband cheating on you by first asking yourself, what is the root of your fear? Uh, 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 where, How strong is your individual personal issue with God, right? And you said he has a great call in his life, but I know men in church in the church struggle with this. We, is that your husband's struggle? Because just because it's a struggle in that industry, in that field, has he have any fruit or evidence of being a man that struggles with that? And what you don't want to happen is that your man feels like that you're uh, second guessing him and then you open the door for him to be too weak and then he finds himself weak between the knees with someone else. I'm not saying that's what happens, but you don't want to demonically put y'all in such a position where that becomes your disposition. So what's the root of your fear? What are you really scared of? Do you have abandonment issues? Do you have comparison issues? Uh, um, do you do you have self-esteem issues? Do you think you're beautiful? Do you think you're enough? All that stems from God, not your husband, right? Because if that stems from your husband, then what your husband's not paying you attention, not giving you a compliment today may wreck you, right? But if that comes from God, then you won't put that unnecessary pressure on him. I hope that helped. God bless you too. Uh, let me go ahead and go, y'all. Thank you, Leo, for the super chat. Oh, let me finish this up because I only got three or four more to go. Uh, thank you for your super chat. And thank y'all so much for being a generous man, a gener generous community here I, that I have online. Thank y'all so much for y'all support. Y'all guys and gals, y'all give so generously, helping us with our mentoring program, helping uh, support this channel, helping support in the things that and the, uh, the things that God wants me to create. I have a new book coming out this month. So you guys' support has really helped me to do that and other things as well. So I appreciate that for sure. Jessica J says, how do you embrace the love of God? Is believing in him the same thing as receiving him? Um, The devils believe, the Bible says the devils believe and they tremble, but they don't receive. They can't receive, number one, but they don't want to receive, right? So you embrace the love of God by understanding what the love of God is. You have to understand, you have to get to know him personally. There's a young lady that I'm coaching right now. And I told her, her homework is to every other week study an attribute of God. The more you get to know someone, the more you begin to grow in love with that someone, right? And you embrace the love of God by letting go of something else. Before you can embrace, you got to you gotta let go of something else. So there's something else that you're holding on to as your source of love. Or there could be a pain that you're holding on to, whether that's the, the root of your uh, 
uh, root uh, that could be like low self-esteem. Uh, it could be a lot of different things, right? And so what is keeping you from embracing them? It's hard to embrace someone you don't know. So what I would do is every two, I want you to pick two attributes a month that I want you to study. Just go to google.com and type in the attributes of God. Pick two this month, February, that's tailored to your struggles, that's tailored to you about God's character. And begin to do a deep study of the attribute of God because the attribute of God would detect your attitude. Your attitude would determine your attributes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So believe in, there's a lot of people who believe in God, but they don't receive God. People, a lot of people believe that Joshua Ezri exists, but not everybody's willing to receive Joshua Ezri, right? The same as with God. The devils believe, but they haven't received and they can't receive. Jody Real says, can you again explain the meaning of a wife submitting to her husband and vice versa? Well, first off, you have to go into a marriage with no expectations. And what I mean by expectations, we talk about unreal, unrealistic ones. You have to go into a marriage knowing your role and not worrying about if she or he fulfills their role. Marriage is about serving the individual without expecting anything in return. So that makes submission easy. A wife, it's easy for a wife to submit to a man who's sacrificial. It's easy for a man to sacrifice to a woman who is submissive. Submission doesn't mean you are separated from your mission. It, it doesn't mean that the woman doesn't no longer have her own mission in life. It's co-mission, missions that comes together, right? And when a woman submits to the man, she understands the order of God. Now, I, I never get, I never, um, I don't get me wrong, I feel bad, but I never get deep in my feelings of feeling bad for a woman who chose the wrong man to submit to. See, the thing about a woman, you get to dictate the man's pace. You don't, you don't have to run a race with a man who's going, who doesn't have the right pace, right? You got to be able to see, is this man, has this man been in front of the face of God? Does this man seek after God's face? Does this man even know his own race? Because this man knows the face of God, know the race of God, then he'll have the right pace with you. And then if the man has the right pace, then you don't have to worry about him being a disgrace. You don't have to worry about your marriage being a disgrace because you know this man seeks God's face. You know this man is fully aware of his race and you know this man understand God's grace and this man knows how to run at the right pace. When a woman begins to see those different things evident in a man's life, then she can feel comfortable and stable to submit. Women are not going to submit to a man who doesn't know God's face, who doesn't understand grace, who doesn't know what race he's supposed to run, and a man that's accelerated in pace. That man is not going to find a woman naturally submitting to him. A woman's going to naturally submit to a man who she knows is in the face of God. A woman don't mind submitting to a man who knows the grace of God is sufficient for everything. So no matter what happens in their marriage, he's not moved because God ain't moved, right? A woman doesn't mind submitting to a man who understands the race that he's supposed to run. He is sure of who he is, sure of what God's called him to. And then if like one thing about my wife, my wife know that in the last five major decisions of our marriage, I'm five for five, five for five in my leading, being led by the spirit of God. That's going to naturally make her be like, I'll submit to whatever you say God is speaking to you because I saw with my own eyes, you're five for five. We're talking about major decisions. We're not talking about day to day. We're talking about major decisions where I had to hear from God. I'm five for five because of the Holy Spirit. So when a woman submits, she, she has to submit where there's trust. She has to submit where she has seen a, 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 a routine. She has to submit to something, a relationship that's evident. 
if a man in his own day-to-day -day life doesn't provide security and stability in the heart of the woman, she ain't going to submit. And a man has to understand that if I'm going to be the man, I have to be the one that's willing to sacrifice at any hand that I'm going to sacrifice for this woman. Like right now, if my wife comes in here. She's coming here many times when I'm writing on my book. I close the screen. She comes first. Whatever she needs, even if even if it hits and I'm like, man, I don't want to do this right now. I still got to do it because I, I it's something in me that wants to sacrifice for her because because when I do that. It, it does something to her that makes her want to submit when I may need her to submit. So submissiveness is, 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 is a beautiful byproduct of a sacrificial man. Hope that God's girl said, hallelujah. The angels rejoice. Yes, that's right. Panda heaven rejoices. Oh man. The rest of y'all came in with some more questions. These deep, there's some good questions. I ain't even gonna lie to you. Maybe some great questions. Cedric says, what's up, coach? What's up, family? How can I not get discouraged when everyone around me starting families and I'm almost a 30-year-old virgin waiting until marriage? You're talking to the choir, my man. Now you're talking to the choir director because I don't, I ain't even a choir no more. <laughs> I lived that life. I was a virgin until me and my wife got married when I was 33. Both me and my wife were virgins when we got married. Don't get discouraged. Find your courage in him. Anytime you get discouraged, it means you're distancing yourself from where your courage needs to be. What helped me get through those years was being productive in my purpose. You know, these books hold a lot of frustration. These books hold a lot of things. And oftentimes we want God to take the pain away or we want God to bring the person today. Right. But 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 we're not doing things day to day to position ourselves for that day. Right. And so you can't get discouraged by what everyone else is doing because what everyone else is doing hasn't been conceived by God. A lot of people are doing things willy nilly. A lot of don't no pun intended with your last name, but a lot of people are doing a lot of different things out of their own effort. See, I never judge a thing at its beginning. I judge it based upon its sustaining. Here again, I don't base it by a starting point. I based it based it upon if it can sustain itself. A lot of your people, a lot of people right now that's getting married, they may be divorced in three or five years. And now you invested all these negative energies, conquered up all these different unnecessary anxieties and worries, got yourself in your feelings for something that ain't proven to be faithful. It's never wise to compare yourself because you don't even know uh, uh, what's behind the thing you're comparing. So how do you not get discouraged? Number one, realizing that everything that you're comparing yourself to is not reality. Some things, some of these things are false. Some of these things are not going to last. Right. So they're starting families they're doing all these different things. And 30 is still young. 30 is still young. Listen, I, me and my wife got married at 33. I'm 36 now. See what I'm saying? We're not concerned about where we are in life. God made my wife's womb. God made uh, 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 my loins. God made everything. God is God is the God of the time. And he's the God of the pace. Rebecca. Imagine how Rebecca felt. Was it Elizabeth or Rebecca? John the Baptist's mom. The Bible says that she was blameless, but the, but her womb was barren. Who can you be blameless and barren? The barrenness is, is not because she was in sin. The barrenness was because what she was about to birth was about 
about to be so significant to the Christ that it had an appointed time for. And if you live in a life following the will of God and doing things according to his word, then some things are based upon his timing and some things ain't got nothing to do with you. You ain't sin. You ain't messed up nothing. You in the will of God. You fulfilling the things of God. You are blameless. And people may be laughing at you because even when John the Baptist was born, she said, you father, you took the reproach of men and women away from me. Right. So, yeah, you may feel embarrassed. Yeah, you may feel whatever. I felt those same pains, fam. But it's not about uh, um, the struggle. It's about the purpose of the struggle. And the thing is, continue to wait until you marry, because making love is greater than making lust. Making love is a beautiful art that is done between two married individuals that's being that being guided by 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 purity and genuine genuineness and 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 a, and a certain level of passion and love that lust can't produce. So everybody else doing what they're doing, let them do what they do. Let them start their film. Let them do whatever. But when it comes to your life, know that God has a plan. But in the meantime, in the meantime, find your purpose and start producing because you you want to distract yourself from distractions and purpose has a way of distracting you from these different things. Begin to find the purpose and the uniqueness of your own life. Then your path will make sense. That's it, y'all. That's why I feel in my heart, man. I got to go. Um, I got to go. So thank you for the super chat. B, I appreciate you. Thank you for the super chat, Lilo, and thank you all for your generosity, man. If you want to give and support what we do, you can do so on my website right now, IamUnplugged.com. Your generosity is appreciated in advance. We appreciate you guys' support. I got to go. Coach, we had a long day, but I want to be a little more consistent, but I I'm pretty tapped out at the moment. I love you all. Thank y'all so much for watching. Make sure you, if you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, if you, hey, man, I need pre-engagement, engagement, marital relationship coaching. Um, I need spiritual development coaching coach. I need coaching in my singleness coach. I want to maximize it more. I need coaching when it comes to my purpose or branding and marketing needs. Make sure you hit the link in the description box below or simply go to imunplugged.com. Let me make sure I find that link. Let me get on my website right quick. Because uh, I'm putting in the chat. You're welcome, Cedric. You're welcome, family. imunplugged.com. If you need a one-on-one -on -one culture, also check out my latest book, The Holiness Journal, Are You Holding Up to Hold the Important Things of Life? Also check out The Card Game, Hold, my book, The Purpose of Singleness. If you want to learn how to maximize it, check it out there. If you uh, want to learn how to date God, date yourself and become dateable, to date the love of your life forever, check out this book here. If you want to learn more about questions to either end the wrong relationship or extend the right relationship, check out that book here. If you struggle with soul ties and stronghold, this book, The Purpose of Freedom, is a great book. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But if the door of freedom is open and you don't fly into freedom, then you stay in the cage. So check out that book there to learn more about that. If you're looking to understand more about discernment and know the difference between a counterfeit or a counterpart, this book would be a great resource for you. If you have young people, man, that just want you need a great resource or a book to help them discover their purpose, understand their art form and their worth, it's a great book for children here. I also got a book on spiritual warfare uh, and, how, and the whole armor of God and what it means. Great book resource there. Also, we got merch and all that good stuff available now on my website, IamUnplugged.com. Um, love you all. Uh, I got to answer that one because it's follow up. Jennifer Rose says, hey, coach, should a woman tell a man she is a virgin and waiting until marriage or keep that between you and God? Great question. Um... That question right there is, okay, I have a card game called Dating Prep, right? 
Um, see if I got I got some graphics. I got a game called Dating Prep, right? And that Dating Prep card game goes with the book, or you got to buy it separately, but it goes with this book called Dating Prep. Here, right? Certain questions like that is based upon stages, right? I have three stages of questions: the cloud phase, the cement phase, and a corporation phase. The cloud phase, and I'm a, I'm creating another phase before this: the confirmation phase. The confirmation phase should be a phase where you would determine who needs to be phased out. Right. Because some of these questions don't need to be had unless until that person is qualified to hear the answer to that question. Right. So there's a confirmation phase. That means you got to go to God and say, God, is this even worth my time? Is this man the man for me? Do I need to be investing my time, energy and whatever in this individual confirmation phase? The confirmation phase will then determine whether or not you should be in the cloud phase. The cloud phase is just your basic questions of favorite color, favorite season, what you like to do, what you like to eat, blah, 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 cloud phase. The cement phase is when you guys hit the ground and you're like, man, this is something serious. We believe, we know this is of God, but now it's getting real where we need to start really hitting the ground running towards marriage. Cement questions like that, this may come in a cement question phase, but you never want to ask this type of question early on. Now you could, don't get me wrong. I think that if the conversation starts leaning towards that direction, it's very clear to communicate where you are. Now, the reason why I say that is because um, that would determine if that man stay or goes. Now, that, that type of man may see you as a challenge, though. So you cannot articulate a commitment that you're not really committed to. So before you articulate a commitment and you want that person to be a partner in that commitment, you got to make sure that you're committed beyond tempting. If you're not committed to the point beyond temptation and when that temptation comes, you're going to bend because that man may see it as a challenge. Right. So the thing is, he should know that you're a woman of purity based upon how you carry yourself. He should know that you are a virgin or a woman that's willing to wait to marriage by the standards you uphold, by the conversations you uphold or not uphold. Right. And so if you're not living it, then he's going to be confused when you communicate it. So as long as you carry yourself as a woman who is pure and I don't want to mean my pure, I don't want to mean, that's so a diluted term, but a person who's walking in purity, who's saving himself from marriage, he should get that. He should get that with before you even walk in his direction. Right? And so then as you live it, he'll get the clue. And if the conversation comes up, if, if he doesn't have a clue and then the conversation's queued up, then that's when you be like, all right, this is what I stand on, blase, blase. But don't waste your time until you first go through the confirmation phase. Is this guy even worth your time? Does, does this guy even qualify to have that conversation with you? I love you all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see you guys and gals next time. Y'all be blessed. Peace.